Making the switch to 20-inch rows is not something a farmer can just dip their toes into. But for those who make the change, it's often worthwhile. What does a 20-year veteran have to say about making that transition? That's today on Field Posts. Fieldpost is a DTN Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. Indiana and Illinois farmer Scott Wallace, along with his father, made the switch to 20-inch rows all the way back in 2001, and since then, they've made some significant transitions in their operation. Today, Scott joins us to talk about what went into that decision, how he's managed the risks, and how shifting agronomic decisions have affected everything from labor demands to fertility and pest protection on his farm. We'll dig into seeding rates, side dressing, equipment, and the unexpected benefits of canopy cover right after this word from our sponsor. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Marketplace. Marketing is a year-round business, but it's not your only job. As you focus on field work, monitor your opportunities, and easily make an offer with help from the free DTN Ag Marketplace app. DTN Ag Marketplace facilitates end-to-end grain sales on your schedule. From your mobile device, you can easily connect to local agribusiness to view current cash bids and futures to sell your grain. Need more accountability in your marketing program? The app lets you set goals and monitor progress and enter and track inventory. Start to confidently market your crops with DTN Ag Marketplace. Download it today for free in the Apple Store. Now, back to the show. Indiana farmer Scott Wallace has been a leader in the use of 20-inch rows in his area in southwestern Indiana and southeastern Illinois. Scott, my first question is kind of just, you know, give us a little bit of an overview of your farm and tell us, you know, we're here talking about row spacing today. Tell us about how you landed on doing uh, 20-inch rows. All right. Well, we're a 3,400-acre farm here in southwest Indiana and, and uh, southeast Illinois. And uh, we went to 20-inch rows in 2001. We felt like we were up against a yield barrier and we needed more plants, but You know, we did a lot of looking around and a lot of uh, research, but it's not something that you can really just try. You have to commit to it because you can change a planter back and forth between 20 and 30s, but it would take a lot of work, but you just really can't change a corn head back and forth. And so my father and I, like I said, 20 years ago, we made the commitment to do it and we've, we've come a long way in 20 years, 20 years. And, uh, I've had a lot of success, especially in the last five to 10, uh, as far as upping our yields and, and getting a little bit more of a value out of it. Interesting. Um, talk to us a little bit. I, I, I want to start by learning a little bit more about your rotation and, and how, you know, you talked about the corn head being a kind of a major investment that you had to make that kind of prevented you from dipping your toes in. But yeah, how did you balance, you know, weighing what it would mean for some of the crops maybe you had in the field versus others? Well, so we we're, we're, we only raise corn and soybeans. So uh, the soybean issue was, I don't want to say mute, but uh, 
you know, you cut them with a cutter bar. So roast facing just isn't much of a, uh, issue for harvest ability. You know, you, whether they're in drills or 30 inches or 20 inches or 15, it's still all use the same piece of equipment to harvest it. With the corn head, you can buy a 30 inch corn head, but you would have to spend so much money to change it to 20 because it takes all new shielding, all new uh, center points over the each row. And you it's the exact same row unit. They're just closer, but all the metal or it's all plastic, excuse me. All the plastic is completely different on a 30 inch versus a 20 inch. So that's why it's the hardest thing. The planter units are exactly the same. It's just a matter of how many you have and getting them mounted on whichever kind of planter bar you have. So that's why the corn is the hardest part or the most expensive part. No. Tell us about those first five years. You know, you mentioned that you've had a little bit more success in the in the last several, but what were some of the big challenges, you know, right after you switched and as you were kind of getting used to the new spacing? Sure. Um, so back in then, we raised 100% white corn, and it was already a big leaf, big bulky plant. So uh, one of the things that we think that we're doing a much better job today with the hybrids, and genetics that we have today is capturing a higher percentage of sunlight because we shade the row quicker. So if you if we're if by the time the corn is say knee to thigh tall, we're catching 90% of the sunlight versus a 30-inch row catch, catch catching 60% of the sunlight, we're capturing more energy. We don't have to be as sunshiny for us to have a enough um, photosynthesis going on to create the energy the plant needs that particular day. So we think we do a better, much more efficient job than, if, than in a 30-inch row with today's hybrids because most of what we're planting today is um, upright, not great big, leafy, monstrous plants. So that's one of the challenges we had at the beginning. Our very first success, and we've had this constant for the whole 20 years, is reduced herbicide cost because of shading. We get we get full canopy, usually sometime around knee tall to shin tall. Shin to knee tall, we have complete canopy, so we get by with a much cheaper herbicide cost than some of our neighbors, or what I'm told they're spending anyway. Uh, we've had that success all along. Uh, in the last 10 years, we've done a much better job of taking our medium and lower productive ground for our operation and raising it than we have taking our highest productive ground and stepping that way up out in front of anybody else. If your ground's good and black and, and lots of fertility and lots of water holding capacity and plenty of drainage, Lots of people can raise 250 to 275 bushel corn. But if you, you know, you get corn, get ground that needs a little bit more water, needs a few more things, we think we've done a much better job raising the bottom end of our farming operation. Interesting. So many, yeah, so many trade uh, trade offs there. Um, were there any, 
you know, especially maybe when you were first considering and, and as you were getting kind of your legs under you still, any risks, any problems you had that you've, you know, maybe since figured out how to overcome? Yeah. So when we first started, we were 100% pre-planned ammonia and was just starting to, to acquire herbicides post. So one of the first things to tackle was how did we, how did you spray 20 inch row of corn? And so we started out with a tractor with skinny tars and that, that worked pretty decent. But once we got large enough that we wanted to go to a self-propelled sprayer, it was very difficult to drive down the rows. Uh, so we sprayed a lot crossways and did some different things. Uh, now that in 2018, we went to a 60 foot planter, we were able to make um, two tram rows, two we have two rows that are 24 inches wide and the ones beside them are 18. And then we, we drive track tractors down that. So we side dress now. We RTK are spraying with the rows and we can just go right down that, that uh, 24 inch row without much trouble at all. And so that's one thing I would say. We started side dressing in uh, 14. Once we figured out that we thought we might be able to drive down these rows, um, then come a yield bump with that, just much more efficient putting nitrogen on later than trying to put it all on pre-plant. We've been, uh, we completely did away with anhydrous after the 2015 season and we're hundred percent side dress plus what we put on with our planter. So that was some of the bigger challenges is how to operate with the crop up. And as far as agronomics, I'm curious too about things like seeding rate. Did that take some fine tuning or, or was there kind of obvious conclusions once you've made the switch and, and we're starting to figure things out? So our seeding rates went up right away, but not to the point that they have now. And that's just been, that's been uh, for the longest time, I couldn't get a response for much over 36 or 38,000. And we were, at that point in time, most people were planting 30, 32,000 and 30 inch rows. So we were bumping four to 6,000. The hybrids are starting to change the genetics. Maybe we're putting more fertilizer, you know, more nutrients out. Uh, we've, our crop in the past would probably over the whole entire corn crop would probably average somewhere around 36,000. And this year it would be over 38. We have some. We have a field of corn that's forty-two planted at forty-two thousand. Seems to be doing just fine. The last two years have been the first time that in our uh, some of our testing that we've been able to get responses out of forty thousand. And so you know that could be attributed to a change in hybrids genetics. It also could be attributed to uh, some higher side dress rates. Some higher micronutrient things, a lot of things. We're doing a lot of a lot of things today that we weren't doing five years ago after the crops waste tall. You know, the V seven, the V eight, a lot of micronutrients. I'm curious as well what that has meant for, you know, timeliness and kind of labor demand in the field. Have those, did those, did you see a shift in in those kind of demands as you made the transition? And have you I'm, I'm curious how you've optimized for that in the last couple of years or the last several years, I should say. 
So you're exactly right. Our demand on our time uh, has grown in June and July versus five, 10 years ago. Absolutely. Uh, my son's full-time and my son-in-law joined us full-time in uh, 19, January of 19. Uh, then we got some part-time guys that help us when we're covered up. But so uh, like uh, we're, we, we have made, uh, since our corn's been uh, up, We've made uh, two two passes on it with a uh, with the uh, sprayer, one with just herbicides and one with just micros, and then a pass with the side dress rig. So that's three trips through that corn since uh, it's been past the three or four. Our soybeans we're in the process right now making the last trip through them with fungicide, and uh, that will be the third trip through them too. So uh, the uh, corn, we do the fungicide and the last uh, micronutrient with an airplane yet. We are investigating, trying to see about a high clearance hat, haggy to uh, run the corn, but I'm, it just hasn't worked out for me to be able to get to dem demonstrate that myself or get to see that happen before we make that. Because it's a sea, it's a sea of corn out there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that was a, a great transition into, I'm curious, you know, you've talked a bit about, you know, everything from corn heads to, to different kinds of sprayers, any other, you know, how, how have you, maybe how you think about equipment been affected by the change in row spacing and, you know, are you, what are the investments you're looking to make in equipment in the next couple of years? So with our, when we go our area, until two years ago, we were the only person on 20 inch rolls. And now there is uh, a second guy in Gibson County, but where we farm in Illinois, there's about five now. The, and they've all, they've all changed in the last two to three years. Uh, so before then, trading our corn head, we had to go away from here to get much value out of our corn head. You know, it was just difficult to trade it locally because there wasn't a demand for it. <clears throat> the planners, well, I've traded them always locally, and the salesman just sell them as a as a second planner for somebody to plant beans, and and then get along with that fine. Uh, the side dress rig, we've only had two. The one we got rid of, it's pretty minimal cost to change a side dress rig from 20 inch to 30 inch spacing. It's just take a few units off, space them out, readjust a little plumbing. So it's, a, it's an easy, uh, out of all three of them, it'd be the much easiest, easier piece of equipment to uh, change from 20 to 30 inch rows. But uh, other than that, our tractors that are on, on tracks, we're on the skinniest track that John Deere sells. And that's a little unique for our area, but it hasn't been a problem so far as far as getting value out of it if you want to get rid of it or trade it to a newer model. Scott, we'll be right back to you right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential more than ever 
to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at MyDTN.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. And we're here again with Scott Wallace, an Indiana and Illinois farmer who's a leader in 20-inch rows. Scott, switching gears a little bit. Excuse the <laughs> the equipment pun. Um, I'm curious, too. You've talked a bit about weeds and how that canopy has kind of provided extra, you know, extra shading and, and helped cut down on herbicides. But what about pests? Have, have you seen any significant changes in, you know, uh, insect activity or, or other kind of maybe fungus activity since you've since you've transitioned? Into we've seen the- no difference in huh. pests, but we do see some difference in uh, disease pressure. If, especially if we're having a very wet, high humidity, moist kind of thing, because <clears throat> on a normal day at t- tassel time, it'll be three to five degrees cooler in a 20 inch row than a 30 inch row. You know, the sun just don't hit the ground. So if you, if your ground is saturated, you're just going to have more humidity, more moisture in the air, which is a much better environment for leaf diseases in the corn. I don't think there's any difference in the beans. Everybody's beans are canopy, you know, 15s, drills, 20s, 30s might be a little different, but there's not very many 30s raised as far south as I am. There's some that many. Speaking of, you know, kind of understanding and keeping an eye on that, was there, you know, I'm curious what you use in terms of maybe technology or partners, you know, agronomists locally or, or folks who helped, especially in the, in your early days when you were thinking about, you know, switching to 20 intro, intros and that actually making that transition. Um, did you have any advisors? Um, so when we made that transition, we, we've always had a, a soil guy, you know, a guy test our soils, make recommendations for fertilizer. We've had that since, oh, I was probably in my early 20s. Um, for the last 35 some years, whatever. Um, we didn't particularly have what I would call an agronomist in those days, but what we did was we found out who was doing 20s and we just traveled and went and spoke with them, turned some of their fields, did some research that away. Once we got, as things have evolved over the last 20 some years we do have i wouldn't per se that i have a agronomist i have a guy that i have done business with and he's been in two or three different companies and that we just have a great relationship about uh gleaning ideas from other growers that he's does work with we have you know then, of course, you know, you'd have your seed guy and your fertilized guy and, and, and all that. But as particular to just trying to figure out the best things we need to be doing with the 20-inch rows, most of us have just been on our own and 
and trial and error and, you know, been some, been some, um, advice from seed guys. Oh, this, this hybrid can stand this high population. This one can't, those kind of things we get, but just all in all, just really most trial and error over 20 some years. Well, that leads me to one of my last questions, which is just, you know, if you were, you know, if, if you were talking to a guy who was maybe thinking about making the switch to 20 inch rows or in the early days of making the switch to 20 inch rows, what kind of advice would you offer? So I would tell him that it's a commitment. It's not a put your toe in the water, then get out. I would say, you know, you you either got to jump or you don't. I would tell him that, you know, you want to get geared up so that you can do all the things that work for your farm agronomically in 20 inch rows, whether that is, you know, if it works for you to side dress, then you got to be geared up to side dress in 20 inch rows. If you, if you're doing your, if you're hard custom spraying done, you need to think about who has the right tars on their sprayer to custom spray in 20 inch rows so they don't wipe your crop out. If you're doing your spraying your own, you got it, you know, so it takes a different, takes a skinnier, taller tar than what's the normal on a, on a self propelled sprayer. Those would be my biggest things is trying to make sure that you're ready to not only change your planter and your corn head, but to change everything so that you can do the same economic agronomic practices that you're doing now, because it don't do any good if you don't do the whole package. You know, it's kind of like most things in raising crops. (laughs) If you only get eight out of 10 of them, right. You don't have a, you don't have a awesome crop. You got to get all 10 of them. Right. Yeah. No halfway. No halfway. Yes. Oh, well, um, the only, you know, it, it's always super exciting for us to, to talk on the podcast with, with actual progressive farmers out doing the work. So I want to just kind of open it up and say, you know, one, we'd love to hear an update of how things are going in your area this year. Um, and then also, you know, what's, what's, what are you excited about right now? What's next? You know, if, if row spacing is something you've got figured out, what's the next thing you're thinking about maybe experimenting with? Well, so here in Southwest Indiana and Southeastern Illinois, we got off to a great start. We started planting uh, soybeans on the second day of April and corn on the fifth day of April. And we finished on the 20th of April, both crops completely done. Uh, We've been very fortunate. We've had good rain uh, all along. We've had a little bitty dry spell in the second half of of June, but hasn't heard a thing. We've had, Probably in our driest area, we've had an inch to an inch and a half in the last 10 days. Uh, we've got areas that's had three inches in the last two weeks. Uh, all in all, our crop looks really good, too good to really talk about. Knock on wood. <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. Um, our next, I uh, get with our, as to, uh, our 20 inch rows and our next thing is trying to decide if we want to spend the money and if we can make a high clearance sprayer work so that we think we can get uh, a yield. It's pretty obvious out of the research that there's a yield pop to doing ground fungicide versus airplane applied fungicide. But if you can't get that done in a crop without wiping it out, you know, we're 
that's probably the newest exciting thing going on here. Uh, we're having a big expansion in our green system this year. That's that's new and exciting here. But um, just uh, we're a family farm that I'm really excited about that I have two of my three kids' families big time involved. And uh, that means a lot to that's that's special to me is uh, family is really important here. So that's exciting stuff. To read more about Scott's farm and Pamela Smith's reporting on his operation, visit DTNPF.com or subscribe to the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. This episode of Field Post was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Scott Wallace. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. This episode of Field Post is brought to you by DTN Ag Weather Station. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.